0: going to carry on our, our series looking at intimacy, impact and identity and we're going to focus on the goodness of God. One of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is what kind of God do we actually believe in? It's easy for someone to say do you believe in God and the person say yeah I believe in God but what kind of God do you believe in? And sometimes we can say really good things like God is good and God is good all the time, but then when something bad happens and circumstances go wrong, it's very easy to turn around and blame God or blame ourselves and say somehow God is punishing me because I've failed to do something. It's impossible really to have an intimate relationship with God unless we really know that it's He is a good God. How can we cultivate an intimate, relaxed, trusting, abiding relationship unless we are becoming increasingly fully convinced that God is good and his love and goodness is actually constantly towards you. Julian Adams, a prophet, said this, what you agree with will release power in your life. Or what you believe about God will release power in your life. And we can see from the triangle that if we want to have an impact in the world where we release the goodness of God wherever we go, we need an intimate relationship with God that's based on the reality that he is good. What you agree with will release power in your life. I love this quote from simon holly in his in one of his books he says this sticking to a simple theology is the best way to keep your heart free from the unpleasant rocks of disappointment he says the simple theology is this god is good the devil is bad god can use bad for good but he doesn't want bad. Another great quote is, we mustn't attribute to God what is actually the result of the fall, the curse, what Adam and Eve chose to uh, unlock through their disobedience. We mustn't attribute to God what is actually the consequence of people's free will and the realities of reaping and sowing. Sometimes the result of demonic activities in the earth. John 10.10 says this, Jesus says, It was the devil who came to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus, on the other hand, went about doing good, healing all who were repressed by the devil. So God is always good. And we're going to unpack different aspects of his goodness. 1 John 1.5 says that God is light and there is no darkness in him whatsoever. In other words, God does not have a mean streak. He doesn't have a mean streak. God does not have a hidden, dark side to his nature and character. He doesn't have any character flaws. So all these things we're looking at are helping us to have an intimate relationship with him. And it helps to know he doesn't have a mean streak. It helps to know he doesn't have a hidden dark side. It helps to know he has no hidden character flaws. And it's amazing to know that God is not moody. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. He doesn't have an off day, a bad day. God is good. Everything about God is good. God is infinitely, eternally good and loving. Everything God does is good. Psalm 119 and 68 says, You are good and what you do is good <laughs> Psalm 119:6 you can kind of go over these verses again in the week and meditate and think about them God you are good and what you do is good Hebrews 13:8 Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever he was good yesterday and went around doing good and healing the sick and setting the oppressed free. Jesus is good today. He's going around healing the sick and setting the oppressed free. He's going to be good forever in eternity. 1 Timothy 4.4 says that he is the source of every good thing in the world. So if you come across anything that's beautiful, anything that's excellent, anything that's praiseworthy, anything that's good, anything that leads to freedom and breakthrough and healing, God was behind it. Whether that came through the hands of an unbelieving surgeon who was trained and skilled, it was still God's hand behind even the surgeon medical breakthroughs political breakthroughs social breakthroughs justice breakthroughs he is the source of every good thing in the world inventions and insights and ideas he is the source of everything that's good in the world james 1 says that every good and perfect gift is from above coming from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. you see. Can you see this drawing you in the, the kind of God you want to be with? The kind of God you can confidently come to every single morning and every single day. Genesis 1 31 says that God saw that all he made, God saw that all he made and he said it was very good. So when he looks at you, what does he say? Very good good very good god doesn't make rubbish nobody in this room is rubbish Do you know we, we say things like i'm rubbish at that yeah we've got limitations and we've got gifts and we've got strengths and we've got weaknesses but when he looks at you and sees all that you are your strengths and weaknesses and limitations he says very good i made you very good but salvation is at its very core the restoration of the masterpiece. Yeah. That's what it means when we come to Christ. So, in coming to Him, the old has gone and the new has come. We become saints when we were sinners. We get completely washed and made gloriously righteous. It's the restoration of the masterpiece. That God's goal with all humanity and with you and me is to set people free, to be fully alive and to be fully human and to be fully restored into the dynamic relationship, even better than Adam and Eve had in the garden. Pretty good Adam and Eve had walking with God in the cool light. It's even better in the New Deal. He makes his home. He makes his address inside of him. Jesus died... So that you can live a life of purpose and freedom. It's amazing. God is good towards us. God is good towards the whole world. John 3.16 says that God so loved who? The world (laughs) that he gave his one and only son so The men and the women we pass at the bus stop, the people we meet at work, the people we bump into in the supermarket are people that God's goodness is towards right now. He sees the man or woman or child as the unbeliever, as a lost treasure, a lost coin where he's sweeping as it were to find them or a lost son that he's longing for them to come home. They are precious and made in his image. And you know that illustration that if we took a 20 pound note and we scrunched it up and jumped on it and it all got dusty. It might be a bit crinkled, it might be a bit mucky, it might be a bit dirty, but it's still fundamentally worth 20 pound. The men and women, however far from God they are, whatever they have found themselves in are still made in his image people that he wants to bring home in order to make them fully human in a connection and in a relationship with him and sometimes even subconsciously we can have this kind of dialogue that goes on inside of us can God really be good towards me he knows my thoughts he knows my actions He knows the things I've done and the things I should have done that I didn't do or the things I said and shouldn't have said or wished I'd said and didn't say. He knows, maybe we think, how bad we are. Which I would say, actually, is if you think he knows how bad you are, yeah, he knows the things you do, but your identity is actually a beloved son, a glorious new creation who is actually righteous. But in our mind, we can have this dialogue if he knows... How bad I am. How can he be good towards me? I doubt his goodness. See, the goodness of God towards you and me has nothing to do with you or me. (coughs) It has everything to do with the nature and eternal character of God. So goodness and mercy are with you all the days of your life. Why? Because he can't deny himself and he can't change himself because he's not moody and he has no hidden flaws. He's not fickle. He's always the same and his goodness is always towards you. God is infinitely, eternally good and loving towards you. Romans 5, 8. And this is the linchpin argument for this. God shows his love For us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we were blind to God's glory, disinterested in his righteousness, rebellious in our attitude, Christ knew that and died for us so that we could be restored. So when Christ died on the cross and said, it is finished, how many of your sins were future? All of them. All of them. So when he said, it is finished, he was paying the reality of all of our past, all of our present, and all of our future. So he is always good to you and to me, no matter what we do, and no matter what we don't do. That's his nature and his character, that's right. and it, that reality of while I was at my worst, Christ died for me as an expression of goodness in order to restore and redeem and to liberate and free me. At the condition of my worst, I was co crucified with Christ, so then it doesn't matter what we do and it doesn't matter what we don't do. Anybody feeling a bit uncomfortable like I've said something shocking? Go and read Romans 6. Because the logical conclusion of the Gospel, if we've understood it right, should always be this. What shall I do then? Shall I carry on sinning? Because if grace abounds when I sin, And then the writer Paul says, by no means, don't you know that when Christ died, you died so that you resurrected to a glorious new life in Christ. Mm. See, when we believe the goodness of God is towards us based on conditionality, we are in legalism. Yeah. And if we believe that It doesn't matter what we do, we just go on sinning, that's antinomianism, just anti-law in the sense of thinking nothing matters. But actually, the right place for us is this, I get to be with God. I get to be with God, I get to pray, I get to be with brothers and sisters in church, I get to read the Bible, I get to worship, I get to sing, and I get to evangelise, I get to impact. Let me just push it a little bit further. Let me ask you a question. Does a sinner, an unbeliever, become a saint by doing righteous acts? Anybody think they do? Okay, then. Does a saint change their identity and become a sinner when they do an unrighteous act. You can't have it both ways. We have to be consistent in our understanding because if we believe the goodness of God is conditionally based on our behavior, then we can step in Christ and out of Christ all day long. And then our identity is all skewy and we think we're sinners. And our intimacy is impossible because we think, if we've not done well enough, how can we come to him? Mm. So we would never ever say to a dear friend who would come to us and say, tell me about Jesus. And we would say, I I won't tell you about Jesus, but I'll tell you about a righteous life. Um, Let me tell you about what to do and what not to do. And the person might say well when when do i get into the life of christ and you say when you've done enough you'd never say that would you (laughs) you would never say that shared the law with a few friends this week (laughs) (laughs) but we live with a subconscious legalism that says if we jump through a few religious hoops whatever those religious hoops are we create for ourselves then i move my identity become the saint, and then i can have intimacy We we create loops of religion and prayer and Bible reading in order to believe that when I do certain righteous acts, I become a saint. And when I don't do them, I go back to being a sinner. (laughs) So we live a kind of... in grace, in legalism kind of life. Let the cross... It paid for everything. It paid for my and your identity as a son, as a co heir, as a habitation for God, as a glorious saint, as a friend of God. It paid for uninterrupted intimacy with God, an unchanging reality of goodness towards us in Christ that reality has to sink in let it sink in let it sink in let the lightness of the cross sink in the goodness of God is towards you regardless of what you do and don't do in the lightness of that easiness there are things you want to start doing because when you take away the legalism side of it you, you realise it's all grace. The good news is that God demonstrates his goodness towards us. That God demonstrates his goodness towards us through unconditional, beautiful forgiveness. Through his blessing on us. Through laying a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies or difficult circumstances. Psalm 23In the reality of His presence is always with us every day, every moment. Jesus demonstrated his goodness, it says in Matthew 4:23. He preached the good news of the kingdom, the rule of God, and he healed every disease and sickness among the people. That's what Jesus did. He calmed storms, healed the sick, he raised the dead. He opened blind eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He showed his authority over sickness and said, Lazarus, come out as a demonstration that kingdom of God has authority over sickness. And then in Acts 8, 7-8, to his disciples and his friends went around doing the same thing, impact, They'd been intimately around Jesus, they'd become, they'd got this identity as friends of God, and then the Holy Spirit came and they were empowered by God to go out and bring the goodness of God everywhere they went. Acts 8, 7 to 8 says, Many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. This is, this, is, this is what's on the table for us, that understanding our identity as sons, understanding our intimacy with God. Imagine this, Plumstead, on the internet, there's a bunch of people who were carrying the goodness of God everywhere they went. And many paralytics and cripples were healed. And there was great joy in the city of London And in SE18, there was great joy breaking out in Abbey Wood. Great joy breaking out in Welling High Street. Great joy happening in Plumstead. Because a bunch of people understood that the kingdom can come through them because of the goodness of God they're enjoying and the uninterrupted reality of them enjoying God, that they were overflowing effortlessly everywhere they went. Because every day they woke up and says, I know you're good towards me. I'm going to bask in your goodness and I'm going to enjoy your love. Romans 8.28. He is always working towards our good. Always. Whether the situation is perplexing, confusing and you have no answers. He is good towards you. He's the perfect father. That his plans, his ambitions, his ideas are always good towards you. And finally, God wants us to experience his goodness. Psalm 34.8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So that's like tasting the beauty of, wow, forgiveness. And knowing that I'm utterly righteous and glorious in your sight. I'm tasting and seeing that I have been made good. I'm tasting and seeing that I'm a habitat of God. I'm tasting and seeing that you are gracious towards me. I'm tasting and seeing that you rejoice over me with singing. I rejoice. I'm tasting and seeing and, and experiencing your healing and restoration and mercy every day. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 126, 1-3. One the Lord has done great things and we are filled with joy. Just every day waking up with that, living your day with that. He's done great things towards me. He's doing great things for me. He's got great plans for in the future. I'm rejoicing in that. Continually tasting and seeing that God is good. When you taste something is good, you want more, don't you? Tasting and seeing the the rest of God, the peace of God, the love of God. Oh, I want more of that. Tasting and seeing the presence of God that's with you. I want more of that. Tasting and seeing is then normal to want more and more and more and more. So God wants us to have an encounter with his goodness so that we can take that encounter with God's goodness to other people, that other people can encounter his goodness through us. Every good thing comes from above. Wisdom, inventions, dreams and solutions, promises, peace, Healing, prophetic encouragement, to come around. So we've got so much of it, we're living with such an abundance of it, that we can't help but give it away. And give it away. It's coming to us on a Monday, it's coming to us on a Tuesday. This goodness, this abundance of love, of goodness and compassion and grace and beauty and celebration of God, that we're just full of it. And then we can't help but effortlessly give it away as ourselves. We just we are ourselves. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are going to give it away by being you. You don't have to become anyone else. All you need is to live a life where you recognize that God is with you. And I recognize that God is. With me, that I'm not trying to get to a place where maybe I receive goodness, I was born again so that the goodness of God is an uninterruptible reality towards me. Heaven has been opened. The Holy Spirit has come. Matthew 10:7 to eight. "As you go." And this is Jesus saying to the disciples, "As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Impact. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. That's any kind of skin disease. There's authority. Drive out oppressive demons or drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely you have received the goodness of God. Now freely give it away. Give it away, give it away, give it away. What you agree with will release power in your life. What you agree with will release power in your life. It's gonna invite us to stand and and you might be saying, this is impossible. You'd be right. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) You're right. It is impossible. You can do none of it on your own, but you're not on your own. Apart from me, Jesus says you can do nothing. So breathe. You can't do any of it. But you're not on your own. Through this relationship of intimacy, we get to abide and remain and enjoy, and relax, and trust. And then from that space of just enjoying, miracles will start popping out, popping out, popping out, popping out. You'll get downloads and thoughts and words and insight and you'll begin to recognise it was God because you're living in the enjoyment of intimacy with God. The kingdom of God is not something you do for God. It's, it's not that you read something that... And take this as a job description that you've got to do. Now you've got to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. So I've got to work at this. Or I've got to heal the sick. I've got to work at this. Or I've got to raise the dead. I don't know how you work at raising the dead. I'm sure there's a way we could make that into a work, isn't there? Or I've got to, got to work at cleansing leprosy or driving out. No, freely you have received... Now freely give. So the kingdom of God is not something we do for God. It's something he does in us. We receive. And then he does through us as we're given grace to freely give. By grace you received. By grace you give. So the first way we bring the kingdom is we relax. Relax. We relax in the goodness of God. We take a deep breath and we say, whew, that's a weight off me. (laughs) That's a big load off me. And we just come and recognise the one who is here. We recognise his goodness. We embrace the simple theology. God is good and the devil is bad. God is always good towards me, eternally, everlastingly good. We just allow his goodness to wash over us now. We receive your goodness. We receive your goodness. We receive your goodness now in the form of healing in our bodies. We receive your goodness now that's in the room and we say, healing in our bodies, Jesus, because Jesus of Nazareth went around doing good. And one of the ways he went around doing good is he went around healing the sick. And Hebrews says Jesus is the same yesterday and Jesus is the same today and Jesus is the same forever. So Jesus is good and by his spirit he's going around healing the sick now. So it's actually normal to be healed. Healing is normal. So we receive healing in our body. We receive healing in our body. We invite the healer to heal our bodies. Jesus preached the good news and he healed every disease and sickness among these people. So in one sense, we can have words of knowledge, but Jesus says, I just heal every sickness. So we speak now healing over our bodies. Yeah. And we just say now, an experience of your goodness. An experience of your goodness right now, God. An experience of your goodness. In this moment, we taste and see that God is good. We taste and see that God is good. I invite you to give an experience of goodness. It could be supernatural peace. Like that song we sang earlier on, it goes beyond our capacity to think. His goodness expressed to you in the statement that if you're a believer, you're, you are utterly righteous. You're not wicked. You, you don't have a wicked or deceitful heart. You don't, you don't have one. You don't have one. You don't have one. You don't have one. You're a new creation. You don't have one. And I just silence any voice from the enemy that said to you, anybody here that, well, actually, you can't trust yourself because you're prone to do what's wrong. No, you don't. You're not. You're a saint. You're prone to do what's right. So, his goodness is always towards you because he's given you a new nature and a new heart. And that's how he sees you as gloriously righteous, spotless saint. You're prone to do what's right. I just want to take authority over any voice that's accused or condemned or confused you about who you are. And somehow made you believe a lie that says you're not right in a right place to be a beneficiary of goodness. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over lies that have come to steal, kill or destroy your expectation of receiving goodness. And I break that now in the name of Jesus. Because it's a lie and it's not true. That's right. You're a saint. If you're a believer, you're a saint. And his goodness is constantly towards you. Psalm 23 says, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Actually, probably the New Deal in Jesus says, goodness and mercy have taken up residency in my heart and made me their home. (laughs) He makes a feast in front of my enemies. He's laid a table in our very hearts. We can enjoy all the time. Let me land with this. Would you dare say to God, I don't know how you could do this in me, and I don't feel I'm even capable of doing it, and that's an honest assessment, God. But I want to be somebody as I go. I want to proclaim the message. I want to be somebody, God, and I don't know how I'm going to become it, but I trust that you are working in me and doing this, that I will be somebody who says to my friends and my colleagues and my neighbours and the people at the bus stop appropriately that the kingdom of God has come near. That God, I would have an expectancy in me that I have authority through Jesus and through my relationship with Jesus that the goodness of God can come through me to the people around me. That God, I could be a conduit, an outflow of the goodness of God that I'd have an encounter with your goodness so that others can have an encounter with your goodness. And that God, I would raise the dead. And that God, I would cleanse anybody who's coming with skin disease. And when I see oppression, I would understand that effortlessly and easily I can break anything that binds people or controls them. And I want to be someone who's freely receiving and then freely giving. God, I recognise that the kingdom of heaven is not something I do for you. It's something of the rule of Jesus that you do in me. And as you establish it, you bubble it up and bubble it up and it flows out through me. And God, I ask you that our expectations would be in line with scripture to effortlessly and not in any sense with any legalism or performance, love the world radically well because we have been radically loved by God surprise us. Amen. Interrupt our days and our thoughts. Give us insights and ideas, sudden faith and expectation. When you see sick people, I carry the reality of heaven on earth inside of me. Jesus wants to do something. Sudden interrupted thoughts of, I want to express the goodness of God to somebody. Whether it's in in things like praying for them or supplying in need or giving them encouragement or wisdom and a whole host of different ways we can do that. Amen. 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 Amen.